Master, it is good that we are here. We hear these words today from Peter, of course, at the site of the transfiguration. It's interesting. Peter's waking up from a little bit of a daze. Maybe that's us this morning as well, as we wake up with daylight savings time. But we know that it's good that we are here. That this is the best place that we can be in all the world, actually, right now is in a church. Why? Because we're going to come and receive Jesus Christ truly present in the Eucharist. We're going to have this food as we hear today. We're going to be able to partake of heavenly things. We'll hear that at our closing prayer today. Think about that. Today we're able to partake in heavenly things. What's the heavenly thing, the heavenly person? We are able to partake in Jesus Christ. And so truly we can say these words, Master, God, it is good that we are here. And yet, sometimes we think, if only we could have been on top of Mount Tabor, if we could have been like Peter, James, and John, or if we could be like Abraham who saw the cloud of God come through, then we know that it would be an even better place. But that's not true. Right now, right here today, is better than being on top of Mount Tabor of Jesus when he transfigured. Why? Because not only are we able to see Christ, but we're able to receive him. What a great gift this is. And yet still we think, mm, yeah, I know, Father, like, I, mean, I know that Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist, but I can't sense him with my, my senses. But that's not true. We can with our spiritual senses, our senses of our soul. Jesus wants to awaken those in us. And so when we come and receive him today, we truly allow him to awaken our spiritual senses. We allow him to will transform us to be more in his image and his likeness, to transform us so that we can truly share in his divinity, to transform us so that we can see him truly present in the Eucharist. And I have this beautiful responsorial psalm uh, today, this Psalm 27, and this line that always hits me, your presence, O Lord, I seek. Hide not your face from me. And Jesus and God does not hide his presence from us. He reveals himself, most especially in the Eucharist. We are able to receive that gift as we come and receive the Eucharist. But I dare say God wants to give us even more. God wants to give us a relationship with him. He's inviting us into a friendship with him. And he's saying, I want to give you everything. I want to give you my love. I want to give you my grace. I want to give you my all. And will we accept it or not? And so that's why we're here this morning, to receive him and the Eucharist. But how would your marriage go? This is a little tricky situation, I know. How would your marriage go if you only saw your spouse one hour a week? 
Maybe some people might say it might be a better marriage, Father, which I don't think is true. How would that go? And does Jesus want to spend more than one hour a week with you? Yes, he does. He wants to spend all the time with you. Do we want to spend more time with him? Hopefully the answer is yes. And of course, we know the most perfect place to pray. The most perfect place to pray is in a church, in the house of God. The most perfect place to pray is in front of the tabernacle or in Eucharistic adoration. Now, don't get me wrong. We can pray in nature. I love to pray. My favorite place is to pray. But I know that every single day, the place I need to spend my most amount of prayer in, time in, is in front of the Eucharist and adoration. And hopefully that's our desire as well, to spend time with the Lord in adoration. You know, a couple years ago, we as a parish came together and we decided to do a strategic plan. We have 12 goals, we have four main goals, we have 12 subsections, but everything is centered on the Eucharist. We didn't have to make the different section. Everything has to be centered on the Eucharist. Why? Because we know the Eucharist is the source and summit of our life. And so from that, what we've concluded in this, in this strategic plan is that how do we continue to be centered on the Eucharist and promote this center on the Eucharist as well? And the parish council has come together and they say it to me, Father, what's what we want to do? We want to make a big push on adoration. And this is coming from the parish council. So the next couple of months, what we're going to do is really focus on the bulletin and videos and other resources as well about promoting the most beautiful thing we have here, Eucharistic adoration. And they said, Father, we want you to preach about it as well. Now, side note, not every recommendation of a homily makes it to the pulpit, right? But this one, the parish council really encouraged me as a, as a pastor and as a parish council to continue to promote Eucharistic adoration. And why? Well, because they know, as I know as well, but they know that it's the most beautiful gift that God can give to, to us through this parish. Spend time with him in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And one of the parishioners said, you know, Father, well, I think you should actually preach a little bit about a book. And so she recommended a book. Next thing I know, more, more parishioners are having the book in their hand. Next thing I know, a parishioner dropped off the book to my hand. I said, okay, this is a sign from the Holy Spirit. And that book is called The Bishop of the Abandoned Tabernacle. It's, it's right here. Maybe you've seen it, maybe not. But it's a very short book. It's only 126 pages. But it tells the story of a saint. St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia. Now he was eventually known as the bishop of the abandoned tabernacle. In his whole life, by the way, he really, really promoted Eucharistic adoration. But it started in the most unique way. He was ordained in 1901. And in 1902, he was sent to a small Spanish town. He was from Spain. So he was sent to this, this town in Spain. He was sent to go give a mission. What's a mission? A mission is when a priest comes from a different area, comes in for three or four days, and kind of gets the church once again riled up for Christ. And as a child, every single time that a priest came into his town for a mission, the children would go out and greet him. There'd be big parades. It would be the most amazing thing that could happen. When the young priest, Father Emmanuel, showed up to this town in a boat, the sacristan came and greeted him, and no one was there. And so he asked the question to the sacristan, tell me, does this town have many children? 
Yes, the sacristan said, but now they're in the fields. And even if they were here, they're not interested in the church. The pastor, because of his aches and pains and what goes on in this place, does not spend much time here. He stays in another town and only comes here on Sundays. He does not want to see children because they are too noisy, which is not true, by the way, right? Because they're too noisy. And besides, the parents don't come to church either. So the priest asks, then who comes to Mass? Well, those who are getting married are those who are baptizing their children. Mr. Antonio and myself also come whenever I do not have to go out to the fields. And do they receive Holy Communion? And the sacristan said, Holy Communion? Well, maybe those getting baptized or those getting married. Anyone else? No. Nobody else that I can recall. And at this, Father Emmanuel's heart started to sink. As he arrived into town, he was drawn to the church. As he went to the church, he saw something that truly astonished him. He went in, and the church building looked very dirty, almost abandoned. St. Manuel went immediately to the tabernacle and found it covered in dust and cobwebs. The altar cloths were torn and burnt. Oil was dripping from the sanctuary lamp onto the floor. After observing the dire state of the church, his instinctive reaction was to run from the place and never look back. But he forced himself to remain. He knelt down before the tabernacle, this dusty tabernacle, this tabernacle filled with cobwebs, in the midst of the disarray for a long time, trying to work out how would he conduct a mission in such a place. In that moment, everything changed for him. Somebody was looking at him. And that somebody was in desperate need of a friend. Later, he would describe this moment of grace, this grace-filled moment. My faith was looking at Jesus through the door of the tabernacle. So silent, so patient, so good, gazing right back at me. His gaze was telling me much and asking for much more. It was a gaze in which all the sadness of the Gospels was reflected. The sadness of no room in the inn. The sadness of those words, do you also want to leave me? The sadness of poor Lazarus begging for crumbs from the rich man's table. The sadness of the betrayal of Judas. The denial of Peter. Of the soldier's slap. Of the spittle in the proclarium. And of the abandonment of all. All this sadness was in that tabernacle. Oppressing and crushing the, heart, the sweet heart of Jesus. And drawing bitter tears from his eyes. Blessed tears from those eyes. The gaze of Jesus in that tabernacle was the gaze that pierced the soul. And one can never forget it. I was trying not to cry so as not to make Jesus even more sad. His gaze expressed the sorrow of one who loves but who does not find anybody who wants to receive that love. For me, this young priest said, 
this turned out to be the starting point to see, understand, and feel what would consume the whole of my priestly ministry. And so the rest of his life, he spent preaching about the importance of adoration in front of Jesus in the tabernacle and eventually in the monstrance. He spent hours upon hours praying in front of the tabernacle for the reparation of the souls, for those who had turned away from the Lord, of trying to be his friend with Jesus. And he said, what this led to was the most beautiful priesthood. Even at his passing away, he asked to be buried next to the tabernacle so that when people come to see him, he can say, there he is, there is Jesus. Do not leave him abandoned. He passed away and eventually was canonized as a saint in 2001, being known as the bishop of the abandoned tabernacle. He invited people to come and spend time with the Lord who wants to give everything to us, who is there for us and desires. Just think about this. God desires you. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be even more. And he can give it. That's what he said about adoration. Adoration is spiritual contact with the person of Christ and the host. Spiritual contact with God. And this contact enables us to have a deep personal contact with him when he comes in holy communion. So when we spend time in adoration, when we come and receive him, we have an even deeper relationship with him, a deeper contact. That amen to the words of the body of Christ will mean so much more when we're spending time in prayer before him. Of course, we know in this time of Lent, we're called to do a time of, of penance. This is what the saint says about this. Living faith and self-denial are expressed by making frequent visits to the blessed sacrament. There is no greater penance than to deny ourselves the pursuit of other activities so as to make time for Eucharistic adoration. There's no greater penance. And yet so often we give in to, to worldly wants or desires or pleasures, even good ones sometimes. And yet there is a Lord waiting for us in the tabernacle. We're all guilty of sometimes of turning away from, from the Lord. We know this. I'm very blessed that in the rectory four houses away is another tabernacle. It's actually our old tabernacle. It's in our room, it's in our chapel, my chapel, the rectory's chapel. And at nighttime, sometimes, you know what happens? I feel called to go into that chapel. Even, not a joke, bogey will go in there ahead of me to say, come on, let's, because we go there a lot of times. But sometimes I go, you know, there's something on YouTube I really want to watch. Or is that Netflix show? Or is that call I want to make? Or the bed is calling me to bed? What's happening there? I, too, sometimes fall short. And yet I know that the best place to be, to go and spend time with the Lord in the morning, I'm able to do in the morning and in the evening, is the greatest gift 
and this deep relationship with Christ. And how grateful we are here that here our Adoration Chapel is open. Our church is open for us to come and spend time with the Lord. St. Emmanuel said this as well. And as the, as the father here, the spiritual father, this really touched me. An abandoned tabernacle is a sign that there is a lack of living faith in the parish. Consequently, we can be certain that there is a lack of fruitful Holy Communions. The degree to which a tabernacle is abandoned is a sign to, of the degree to which a parish is in a state of spiritual ill health. The degree to which a tabernacle is abandoned, the degree to which admonstrance is abandoned, is a sign of the degree to which a parish is in a state of spiritual ill health. My brothers and sisters, it's not meant to be a homily to guilt you into adoration. It's not. It's meant to be an invitation to spend time with the Lord. But we do have an abandoned monstrance here. Right now, we have 46 open adoration hours. What does that tell for spiritual health of a parish? 46 open hours. And I know with COVID, a lot of people had to take time away from adoration. I know some have not felt comfortable coming back yet either. But what is prohibiting you from spending time with the Lord in adoration? What is greater than Jesus Christ? I don't think we can have a rational answer to that. We can come with excuses, but I doubt that they're valid. What's prohibiting us from spending time with the Lord? He wants to have this relationship with us. He wants to be our friend. He wants to reveal himself to you. And I know you'll be thinking, well, Father, I don't know what to do in prayer. I don't know what to do for an hour in adoration. Once again, over the next couple months, we're going to spend resources and time and a bulletin and videos and other stuff to help you with that. But the most important thing you got to do in prayer is show up. Sometimes you know that in marriage as well. You just got to be there, right? Even more with the Lord. Sometimes you just got to go spend time with him and let him reveal himself to you. So after Mass today, we're going to have silence for adoration in the gathering place. I truly encourage you to take an hour. Maybe sign up with a friend so you guys can go there and pray together. This past Wednesday, we had our first holy hour slash happy hour. It was so beautiful. So I left the confessional after the holy hour was coming to a conclusion. And there's 50 people, parishioners here, praying in front of the blessed sacrament, gazing upon the Lord and the Lord gazing upon them. As the pastor, that was one of the most beautiful sights that I've ever seen here at St. John's. I hope that our Adoration Chapel gets so full sometimes that 14 chairs isn't enough. And if that happens, you can call the emergency line, it goes right to me, I will move the tabernacle, I'll move the monstrance into the church. Why? Because it's what the greatest gift that we have is Jesus, the source and summit of our life. And so please consider signing up for an hour. Consider being a sub. Or just make sure we're spending time in adoration. Stop in mind as you drive by the church. I know parishioners that stop by for five or ten minutes. How beautiful 
that is. So please, at the end of Mass, once again, sign up in the gathering place for that. Also, we have a book for sale as well. It's a whopping $12. It's about the same cost as Chipotle these days. All right? Buy the book. If you read this book, you're going to be convinced to spend time in adoration as well. One last thing. It's a very simple question. Do you want to be a saint? I don't think anyone's going to say no to that, right? Do you want to be a saint? In the last 150 years, what do all the saints have in common? Adoration. They all spend time in adoration. Do you want to become a saint? Let's follow the steps that the saints have done before us and spend time in adoration.